My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain's stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Hey, my friends, I want to welcome you to the Healthy Brain Podcast, where we stand up and boldly speak the truth about what's healthy and right in this world, especially when it comes to your body and brain. I mean, if you've been following along here, you know that you won't find any sugarcoating in this space. I guarantee you that. Today, y'all, I am very excited about a guest. She is board certified in internal medicine for both adults and pediatrics in Fredericksburg in the beautiful hill country of Texas. She has over 24 years of diverse experience in the medical field. She's an ethical vegan who highly encourages her patients to adopt a plant-based diet as part of an overall strategy to improve health and well-being. She's married, has four adult children. She loves cooking, food, books, movies, travel, nature, and all animals. It is such an honor and privilege to have you, Dr. Felice Howard, here on the show today. Welcome, Dr. Howard. Thank you so much. So good to see you. How have you been? Doing well, thank you. Enjoying the beautiful weather these days. Oh my gosh, we have some clear skies out here. And all the, it it reminds me of spring again, though, like all the flowers that are blooming. Yes. What is that? Everything is green. Oh, it's Mm -hmm. so, so beautiful. I love it out here in Fredericksburg. So if it's okay with you, I'd just like to just dive right into the questions. Okay. So I'm sure you get asked this quite often, but most of the listeners would want to know in your own personal life, I mean, when did you first get started to incorporate like a plant-based diet approach for your own health? So about 10 years ago, I stopped eating meat for the animals. And then three years ago, I cut out dairy, eggs, and fish. About that time, a friend told me about Dr. Michael Greger. And I read How Not to Die, which is a fabulous book. It is full of information. And it really struck me uh, about the benefits of avoiding the intake of animal products as far as that fueling the development of our top killers, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and cancers. And it also contributes to about 70% of our chronic diseases. Also about that time, there was a news report I came across out of Midland, Texas, and a small hospital there was serving plant-based meals to their patients. And I thought, wow, if a small town in the middle of cattle country can do this, so can we in the hill country. I called up a physician who's a cardiovascular surgeon by the name of Dr. Staten Autry, who led that push. And he chatted with me on the phone for about 25 minutes, which I thought was amazing. And at the end of it, he invited me to their yearly conference, which is called Food is Medicine. And there I was able to hear such fantastic speakers like Dr. Greger, like Dr. Scott Stoll of PlantritionProject.org, and Dr. Jim Lomas, and Dr. Shurzai out of Loma Linda, California. And it really inspired me to try to affect similar changes in our neck of the woods in Fredericksburg. For me, eating a whole food plant-based diet has improved my physical health. And since I care about human health, animal welfare, and our planet and climate change, I find that it has allowed me to align my actions with my ethics, and that's really helped my mental health. And I would like to clarify, Carrie, when I say whole food plant-based diet, I'm talking about trying to eat foods that are minimally, if at all, processed, trying to eat vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, and trying to avoid oils. So I'm really, in my 
practice, I talk to my patients about minimizing and eliminating oils, just like Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn talks about. Yes, yes. Is the whole food plant-based for everybody? It is. Now, there are two parts to that that I'd like to speak to. First of all, I always prescribe a whole food plant-based diet, but sometimes it's a matter of degrees, right? Mm. So if I'm talking to a 40 or 60-year-old overweight diabetic who's got a lot to gain from changing eating habits, then I'm really going to hone in on lifestyle changes, including eating a whole food plant-based diet. If I'm talking to someone who maybe is towards the end of their lifespan and they really, really feel strongly that they don't want to make changes, then we might just talk about maybe eating some more fruits and veggies. So I I try to individualize my approach. Additionally, I do prescribe medications and I do refer for additional conventional treatments because to me... Eating a whole food plant-based diet addresses a cause, a a root cause of why someone developed a certain problem, be it diabetes, be it high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or even cancers. And so we have to address the, the underlying problem and also address what's going to get that patient feeling better regardless of the other treatments chosen. So I don't forego putting someone on a blood pressure medicine who's in my office with a repeated blood pressure of 180 over 100 because I don't want them to walk out in the parking lot and have a stroke. But I I would be totally remiss if I put them on that blood pressure medicine and didn't talk to them about limiting their salt intake, increasing their intake of leafy greens and cutting out meat, cheese, chicken, all of which are so high in salt. Do you put them on medications knowing that maybe down the road that they will come off of that. Absolutely. I hope to peel every one of those medications Mm -hmm. back off. And I tell the patients that, you know, how much you come off of these medications is going to be up to you, the changes that you're willing to implement. Because unlike conventional medicine, where doctors are kind of viewed to be responsible for the treatment plan, Mm -hmm. in lifestyle medicine, we know that it's the patient who has to affect those changes. And it's hard work, but we're here to guide them and to coach them and to be their cheerleaders. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I mean, it's everybody's choice, right? Indeed. Yeah. So would you go as far to say that most chronic diseases can be reversed with dietary changes? Carrie, I would tell you that most chronic diseases can be treated with dietary changes. There's the word. And that many can be reversed. It depends on the degree of damage done and to what extent irreversible damage has been done. But no matter what, no matter if you have end-stage heart failure, look at Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn's study. He took patients who had basically been told to put their affairs in order, and he treated them with a whole foods, plant-based, as he would say, no oil diet. Yeah. And he <laughs> he... It significantly improved their health. Yeah, the stories are amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So curious, if more and more individuals are being cured of chronic diseases with eating a whole foods plant-based diet, then why are there still so many doctors who refuse to change their protocols? Like, shouldn't they be more concerned with doing the right thing rather than prescribing a pharmaceutical band-aid that could possibly be detrimental to their health long-term? I mean, plants are sustainable, in my eyes anyway. It's my opinion, right? Plants are sustainable, drugs are not. 
Carrie, the short answer is yes, of course. They should, we should all be prescribing a healthy diet, which to me is a whole food plant-based diet and lifestyle changes for our patients. And I think that most physicians want what's best for their patients. There's been a lot of attention recently focusing on how little education we physicians have traditionally received in medical school and residency on nutrition. And so I think that plays into it. And I can tell you, everything that I know, I have sought out on my own. It's been reading the books, going to conferences, listening to the podcast like yours. And so um, what you have to understand is that doctors, we are taught to evaluate treatments in terms of, is it evidence-based? And what does the scientific, um, what do the studies show, right? Mm -hmm. And so the gold standard for that would be a randomized placebo-controlled trial, which are expensive to carry out. And so where does that funding come from? Well, it tends to come from pharmaceutical industry who want to get a new drug approved or show that it works just as well as something else. And so, as you might imagine, the broccoli industry, the beet industry, etc., you know, there's not money driving that. And then additionally, these studies are really hard to carry out, right? You can't just go out and recruit a thousand patients, put them in an environment where you control all of the diets, and then measure the effects for one year, two year, three years. And so you're really largely looking at studies that are dependent on patients' Mm self-report or patient recall. And those are difficult. And they don't traditionally have not held the same weight as these other studies. No. But let me tell you that there are numerous studies. All you have to do is pick up Dr. Greger's book, How Not to Die, and look at the posterior third of that book where he has all his citations. Yeah, it is To know that there is a wealth of information Mm -hmm. that is based on good science, that has data behind it, and that the studies exist. But like I said, if you're not taught about them, then you don't know. Yeah. I kind of just researched a lot of doctors around and, you know, dug deep and, and what are their findings? What, how are their patients getting better? And to me, that's just a huge sign. People that I speak to day in, day out are willing to go on the keto diet because their brother's cousin's wife <laughs> said that they really <laughs> lost a lot of weight on it. It's experience-based, right? It's, yes. it's, it's not really scientifically studied, but I mean, they, there are studies on the keto diet. Let me, let me make that clear. But, you know, many of my patients don't base their decisions for what diet they go on on the science, but a lot of them go by experience-based mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, that's just how we are. We want to hear that story. Right. And if we hear enough, I'm like, yes, you know? Especially the keto. I mean, what, what's your quick take on that? I think it's one of the unhealthiest diets you could go on because it's so high in fat. Especially long term. Yes. My son is on the keto diet intermittently and, you know, he cooks up bacon and, and those meats that are a class one carcinogen, according to the World Health Organization. And it's really hard to get behind that kind of an eating plan. And so to me, it's, it's, you can get just as good weight loss results with a whole food plant-based diet, but you tend to keep it off if you continue with eating that. And people tend to think of it as a sacrifice, but you're really opening up a whole world of wonderful, tasty, fresh food that you may have never even thought about 
existed because people think of a vegan diet as being rabbit food and you're yes. eating a salad, right? Well, yeah. I like the comparison that Earthling Ed says. He says you open up a refrigerator of a meat eater and you see a morgue and you open up the fridge of a vegan eater and you see a garden. Oh, I like that a lot. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah, I love that. There's so much information out there. People are just, just give me the truth is what they're wanting, right? So I think that when I look for sources of where to turn for, to, to get my information, I think that Dr. Michael Greger is someone that I trust very much. He reads every nutrition article published in the English language in every journal every year. And wow. so he really looks at the science and his information is free because he doesn't have anything to sell. He's exactly. not in it for the money. I love and that. so his nutritionfacts.org website is free. You can look up a range of topics. And by the way, the money that he makes on book sales from How Not to Die and the sequel, How Not to, to Die Yet, he gives that right back to charity. So I respect awesome. him a lot. And then the Physicians Committee on Responsible Medicine is one of my main go-tos for information. And, you know, there's transparency there, there is the science, and you have evidence-based medicine, as opposed to what I alluded to earlier, the experience-based, you know, the testimonials. Anytime that you're dealing with testimonials as your source of reference, I think you have a problem. And then plantationproject.org is another one that I go to for my information about reliable science and lifestyle medicine. Okay. And we'll add those links at the you end and in, in the blog and all. So Dr. Howard, what other lifestyle changes do you recommend alongside plant-based nutrition in your practice? That's a really great question. I'm preparing to take my board exam for lifestyle medicine next month. Oh, and so these exciting. all readily oh my are in my brain. So here <laughs> goes the here list. Go. <laughs> Number one, and these are the obvious ones. I'll just get them out of the way. Don't smoke and limit mm. your alcohol intake. Alcohol is a neurotoxin and it also is bad for the heart and it should be really limited. Uh, there are more and more uh, studies coming out that show that, that physicians need to be talking to their patients more about limiting alcohol. So you will hear different quantities thrown around, but roughly no more than one drink for a woman a day. And these are standard drinks. I always have to remember to ask about the size of drinks. And then for men, no more than two a day. So are we standard talking, drinks. you know, I mean, beer one, versus so wine and no, margaritas? I mean, no, you know. we're not. You know, if you want to um, get the health benefits from alcohol, then I think red wine is the go-to for that. But otherwise, we're talking about, you know, a regular size, what, five ounces of wine and regular beers, what, 12 ounces. And, and then also maintaining a normal body weight is important for cancers such as mm -hmm. breast cancer. Obesity is a risk factor, as by the way is alcohol. And we are in October, so it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And then exercise is hugely important, especially when you're talking about diabetes and when you're talking about dementia prevention. Mm -hmm. We recommend at least 30 minutes a day and an average of 150 active minutes a week. And that should include some resistance training at least twice a week. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to bench 150 pounds, but working with some light weights or some exercise bands is recommended. And then some stretching and also balance training. If you don't want to lose your balance, you have to work to maintain it. And then sleep, which is 
a subject Huge for a podcast mm-hmm. all onto itself, right? Yes. But working to get those seven to eight hours of, of restorative sleep a night is something worth protecting. Yeah, I don't know how people live on five and six hours. And people do it all the time. And then stress management. So mm-hmm. many patients come into my office and their lives are going 100 miles an hour and they can't understand why they feel so bad and they have the heartburn and their blood pressure is up and they are gaining weight. And so slowing down enough to take care of the basics. I really like what Colleen Patrick Goudreau says. She says, if you don't have time to get sick, then you have to take the time to stay well. There you go. And then social connection is really important. You know, having a a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And I always say, if I could cure loneliness, I could put myself out of business. especially in my older patients. Mm -hmm. So I would say nurture your friendships and family relationships. It takes time and you have to give it that time, but it's, it's well worth it. Stay engaged in whether it's community or, or friendships, clubs, church. And along with that, a mindfulness practice. You know, for me, I spend time every day in nature or meditating But for other people, it could be organized religion or something similar. So having a sense of purpose is hugely important. You know, when I see people who are lonely and who are retired and they say, I don't know why I'm here anymore, you know, it kind of breaks my heart and I, um, it'd be great to help them rediscover a sense of purpose. So Dr. Howard, for the listeners who don't have access to an amazing doctor like yourself, what can you recommend that they do on their own? I mean, where do they start? I know that you talked about all those lifestyle changes Mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, Was there anything you'd like to add to that? So as I mentioned, I'm sitting for my lifestyle medicine board exam next month. But here's the cool thing. I'm just one of 1,100 doctors and allied health professionals who are sitting for this exam. And so all you have to do is Google us, plant-based docs, Google us. And if you go to plantritionproject.org, there's a link to a directory that lists physicians. And then if you get on social media, for example, Dr. Gregor has a How Not to Die group. And oh, I didn't just hear that. Yes. And That's then cool. um, is it a Facebook group? It or is something? a Facebook okay. group. And there's another Facebook group I like, Our Healthy City, which is the organization out of Midland, Texas. And they've been so helpful to me. But just ask around, ask other people if they are familiar with a plant based doc in your surroundings. Okay. And in. I know I'm a huge fan. You've already mentioned it, Dr. Michael Gregor's book, How Not to Die. What other books do you recommend for individuals who want to follow this whole foods plant-based diet? I have a whole list, <laughs> but I will spare you. You know, you might link to it. Well, um, you can just 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 name a few. I'll just name a few. And then we'll add the other links. How about that? You bet. I really think highly of Dr. Neil Barnard's The Cheese Trap, mm. because I don't know how many times a day I hear, I could never live without cheese. Yeah. And actually you can. Really? You can do it quite well. And then Proteinaholic by Dr. Garth Davis, who also is on Facebook and social media, very active weight loss surgeon. Okay. Used to be in Houston, and he he moved a couple of years ago, but he's a reliable source of great information. Is he still in Texas? or No, he moved oh, out of state, but okay. you, he's on Facebook and he's on Instagram. Okay. Um, and then, um, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Dr. Caldwell Essence. Esselstyn's Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, which is a great book. And I love his wife and mother. 
Jane and Anne. They are and the they're cutest. you can YouTube their cooking demos. <laughs> they are adorable. They are and, so and cute. They both are trying to take control. They of are the just of, of the whole kitchen, right? Yes, and no oil. <laughs> the phrase "no oil" rings true. Oh. And then, uh, actually, Rip Esselstyn has a great book that I love to recommend: "Engine to Diet." Yes. About half the book is recipes. It's a quick read. It makes sense, and the recipes are not overwhelming. Yeah. Some of these recipe books can be a little overwhelming, and for that reason, I really love "Plant Pure Nation" by Kim Campbell. It's user friendly. The recipes. Are great. And there's a, a great documentary, Forks Over Knives. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. Forks Over Knives has wonderful cookbooks. They have, you can get them at your groceries checkout line. Another book I really like, and I have to plug this for October, and the title is Breasts, an Owner's Manual by Dr. Christy Funk. She tells us how we can prevent breast cancer and for patients who've already had it, how to prevent recurrence, or if you're living with breast cancer, how to do so healthier. Mm-hmm. Is that linked to dairy? There, uh, yeah, well, there's, uh, yes, there are some ongoing studies about the link of dairy to both breast cancer and also to prostate cancer in men. And websites that I really love, Physicians Committee on Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org, plantritionproject.org and nutritionfacts.org are all really good. Mm, Nice. Thank you. That's so valuable. So Dr. Howard, you are a doctor who applies scientific knowledge and clinical expertise to a diagnosis, treatment, and care of your patients all across the spectrum from health to complex illnesses, right? Right. So I'm sure you've treated patients with a vast array of chronic disease. And I mean, we we do have an epidemic here, especially in the South. But have you treated patients with brain fog, like depression, anxiety, or say a diagnosis of early onset Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? Yes, I have. Okay. So are you in favor of treating your patients with food first instead of all the pharmaceutical drugs that are available today? So out of all those, that's a pretty wide array of diagnoses. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up on the on the dementia okay. and kind of focus on that. So we don't have medicines that treat the underlying cause of dementia. We have drugs that help ameliorate some of the associated symptoms of dementia, but nothing that reverses it, right. nothing that arrests it. We at best can hope to slow down the progression. And so What I always recommend to my patients and families who come in with concerns about cognitive decline or memory loss is a whole food plant-based no oil diet. And then I do recommend that they partake of omega-3 rich foods, whether it's from ground flaxseed, chia seeds, or maybe a supplement made from algae. I don't recommend fish oil. You have to really pay attention to where the product comes from. And if it Number one, if it's come from fish that are farmed, it's useless because they're not getting the krill, which is, of course, the source of it. Number two, because we can get cruelty-free algae-based omega-3 supplements. And so you want to eat a diet that's high in antioxidants, your blueberries, green leafy vegetables, or, you know, blueberries or other berries, green leafy vegetables, whole grains and legumes. And then exercise is hugely important. You want to exercise to get that blood flow going to the brain to not only deliver oxygen, but to also help remove some of those toxins that we build up. Are we talking about just walking? Are we talking about doing some high impact? 
You don't Depends have to do on, high impact. Depends All on of, how old you are. Well, so if I've got somebody frail and who's maybe, say, they're 80 years old mm-hmm. and they... Uh, you know, I have to be really careful about generalizing and people get the wrong idea when I say 80 year olds. I have 80 year olds who can run circles around me and outwork <laughs> me on any given day. Okay. So when I say 80 year old, I mean, so maybe they're not wanting to go jogging or maybe they don't want to ride bicycles, but maybe they would ride a stationary bicycle or go for walks. And so yeah. that's great exercise. That counts. Mm -hmm. That works. I walk for exercise. I do so briskly. I want to get my heart rate up and get a little sweaty, but that counts. But ideally, you're also doing all the other things, the resistance training and little balance training and such. And so back to preventing cognitive decline, other measures are to really stay connected and keep a sense of purpose, right? Mm -hmm. You want to you know, we're social creatures. We we are pack animals at heart. Absolutely. We want to have that human connection. And then not doing things like smoking or drinking alcohol to excess. I really recommend to my patients who are maybe concerned about memory loss or cognitive decline, don't drink at all. It's just not yeah. worth it. It is a neurotoxin at the end of the day. And be careful with prescription medications. If you're going to start them, ask questions. Ask about what the side effects could be as far as memory goes. For example, there are some medications out for bladder control that could be could be bad for your memory. And if medications aren't doing what you want them to do, talk to your doctor about stopping them again. I see patients who are on many medications because no one ever bothered to peel off those that aren't really helping. So I would tell you, you know, to ask questions. We've always been taught to trust the doctors over the years. And so asking questions is not a thing that we grew up doing. At least I didn't until my mother became sick. And everybody knows the story about my mom having dementia, but I just didn't even think twice about mm-hmm. asking. And when I asked, a lot of times it wasn't welcomed. Right. And so I would retreat. Yes. And then I got to where, you know, I've got to take this you know, control of this, you know, because there's no doctor that was overseeing 17 meds that she was on. Two two responses to that. First of all, conventional medicine has put the doctor in charge of the treatment plan and Mm -hmm. holds him or her responsible for it. Whereas I think that now we're more and more learning that it has to be a partnership. I can do the best treatment plan, but if I if my patient doesn't want to carry that out and they throw that prescription in the trash the minute they leave my office, then I no one gains anything. So it has to be a partnership. And to that, we have to have an open dialogue that includes questions, even if they're hard. Yeah. And it's hard for a doctor to say, well, I don't know the answer to that. Let me find out. And along those lines, you know, I can look up drug-drug interactions on multiple medications, but I have no way of knowing what that drug-drug interaction is going to be in this particular human being. There's just no way to know that. And we know more and more from epigenetic studies that especially women metabolize drugs differently. And so I would encourage people to ask. And I do want to mention one other resource for your listeners. There's a really great book written by a husband and wife physician team out of Loma Linda, California, the doctors Shurzai. They're awesome. The Alzheimer's Solution. It doesn't just talk about Alzheimer's. So it's really about dementia and cognitive decline. 
and it's written in a great, easily readable format. And I think that their documentation of success in turning around cognitive decline with lifestyle changes is, is very well worth checking out. So, Dr. Howard, I'm sure that your patients have had incredible results from just being on a whole foods, plant-based diet. Can you please share with us a story of a patient who has benefited? I would love to. So the patient that I'm thinking of Mm -hmm. came to see me last summer, and she is 58 years old, and she lives with her elderly parents, one of whom has dementia and is quite a challenge. And so she came in, she was stressed out, depressed, not sleeping well, and she weighed 220 pounds. Mm -hmm. And so we talked for a long time. We had a lengthy visit and she was interested in in trying a whole food plant-based diet for weight loss and for improving her health and to maybe help with some of the depression. Although we did start an antidepressant because that seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And so I have followed her intermittently, and I knew she was progressing nicely, and she was feeling better. But I just saw her back a couple of months ago, and so here we are 12 months later, and this gal lost 95 pounds in 12 months' time. She went from 220 pounds to 125 pounds. That's awesome. Her lipids are beautiful. Her cholesterol is 172. Her blood pressure is 98 over 70. And she is tickled pink. That is so great. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. That was a choice. And she did the hard work. She, she did, did the heavy lifting. That is mm-hmm. so great. Well, kudos yeah. to her. Indeed. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, Dr. Howard, before we wrap it up here, I just have one more question. There are clear health risks posed by animal products, but the government dietary recommendations continue to be swayed by big ag. As we all know, those lobbyists are relentless. When creating the newest dietary guidelines for Americans, revised every five years and most recently released in 2016, the U.S. Departments of Agriculture and Health and Human Services failed to include an advisement to reduce red and processed meats, ignoring recommendations from the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Panel. You being you as a doctor who stands behind a plant-based diet for your patients, what's your thoughts on these statements and what can we do to make some big change here? I agree with you 100% as far as that the guidelines heretofore have been largely influenced by industry who sit on the panel, Mm -hmm. right, who who come up with these guidelines. So when you have members of the Dairy Council and the Poultry Interests and the Cattlemen who help write these guidelines, then they are concerned with profits and they want to see dietary guidelines that are favorable to us continuing to eat those things, no matter how unhealthy they are for us. And so I think that, first of all, just because it comes from the government, you know, doesn't mean that it's based on solid science. So use your own research and homework to make decisions on how you want to feed your family. But I do think there are some inroads being made. For example, this year, we were due for another review of those five-year dietary guidelines. And indeed, Dr. Michael Greyer is one of the experts who got to testify before the panel. So that's, that's yes, it is. It really is. And so we can hopefully continue to make strides in that area. And then, you know, we're all voters and citizens of this country. So let your representatives know that you want transparency. And you want 
your guidelines to be based on the science and not by multi-billion dollar a year interests. Yeah. No more profit over people. Right. Yeah. Transparency is is needed. We need to start talking about this, you know, right. Right. at many different angles. Well, Dr. Howard, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Healthy Brain Podcast. And I know that you are a blessing here in the South, in the hill country of Texas. Please let our listeners know where we can find you, like your website, social media platforms, any other information you'd like to share. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really great. I am not much of a um, technology person, I'm afraid. (laughs) So I am a learner. I don't have a, a website, but I do have a Facebook group plant-based in Fredericksburg, where you can find me. Oh, we're all going to go join you. All right. You're welcome. (laughs) Oh, can I plug an event? Yes, please. We are going to have a speaker in Fredericksburg, October 31st. It'll be Dr. Rizwan Burkhardi. He is a vascular surgeon from Dallas, and he is going to give a free community talk at Hoffman House here in Fredericksburg. There will be two sessions so that we can stay physically distanced. Everyone has to wear a mask, but the times are 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. And the event is free, but you have to reserve your spot. So it's, it's still, there's still open spots. Absolutely. And please call 830-997-1436 to put your name on the list for that event. And we're also going to have free food samples. Our very own Leslie Washburn, who is the hostess at Hoffman House, is going to have plant-based food samples. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, I'll be there. I'm serious. I'm going to mark it down. So again, Dr. Howard, we just appreciate you and the work that you do to instill hope and faith in a healthcare system that desperately needs your wisdom and mindset. You are making an incredible difference in the lives of others when it comes to their health and wellness. God bless you. Thank you so much. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your healthcare provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.